And welcome back to the 444.com Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. Alongside me, as always, is John Paulson. JP, how the heck are you? Not bad. This is our last podcast of the year. We'll probably do another one in January to kind of recap the season, but this will be the last podcast of 2019. So how are you feeling? Uh, I feel pretty good about it, but where did the football season go? It's a, it's, inc- it's incredible how quickly things move, and I'm already missing football, even though we've got two more regular season and all the playoffs. But goes quickly, John. Goes quickly. <laughs> what do you got first, music wise? This is a band uh, called Camp, and it's uh, got two A's. So C A A M P is the name of the band. I don't know <clears throat> why you would do that. It just makes it kind of hard for people <laughs> to find you, but. Nevertheless, um, the name of the track is Peach Fuzz. It's off their 2019 album, By and By. They're from uh, Athens, Ohio. Uh, it's one of these tracks that uh, popped up on uh, Sirius XM, The Spectrum, which is kind of a folk rock, uh, roots rock uh, station that I like. And then it made its way over to Alt Nation, so it's turning up on some of the alternative radio stations as well. I went back and looked at some of their previous... Uh, releases they have one other album and then a couple of eps um and it's they are kind of in that uh folk rock uh, genre a lot of banjo and strumming and stuff so uh check it out beautiful all right before we move in john i understand that uh, you have something to say to the podcast audience yes thank you for listening this year um and i also posted this on twitter but i thought i'd Uh, share it with the podcast audience as well. I'm putting out a virtual tip jar for the first time in my career this season. Uh, People have suggested uh, I do this in the past as a way um, for followers or subscribers to uh, give me a tip if they think I did a good job this year. Uh, So I'm giving that a try this year. And so far, you know, just via Twitter, the response has been pretty good. So if you've found my rankings, this podcast, my articles and or my Twitter feed helpful this year or over the years, and you'd like to leave me a tip, you can hit me up at Venmo. Uh, that's at John H. Paulson. Uh, or via PayPal uh, at the link paypal.me backslash 444john. And there is no underscore in that 444john. It's just one word. Um, I have an underscore in my Twitter handle. That's why I mentioned that. Uh, you can contribute whatever you want if you want to. If you don't want to contribute, that's fine too. Uh, any amount is appreciated. If anyone would like this tip to be split between Anthony and I, because Anthony does a lot of work with the podcast and does a great job hosting, um, just mention that uh, in the tip uh, or when you tip, and I'll make sure that uh, Anthony gets his half. Um, all these details are available on the pinned tweet on my Twitter profile, uh, so you don't have to keep listening back to this. If you want to try to contribute, you can just go to my Twitter profile and look at the pinned tweet. Uh, as I said, if you don't want a t- uh, tip, that's fine too, but I just want to make it easy for people to do it. Uh, so there you go, Anthony. Well, John, think? yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate you uh, also including me on that. You certainly, you certainly did not have to, but I, I appreciate that. And I think this is, uh, that's really cool. You know, I know that um, when I had some success with the betting stuff last year, there's, you know, people that were very complimentary and things like that. And it's always nice to uh, put a little extra money in your pocket if you can, and people appreciate it. So if people are willing to do that, awesome. Like you said, John, if you don't want to contribute, that's, that's, that's okay too, but I think that's um, I think that's a, a really cool idea that you got got going there, John. And again, I appreciate you including me in that. You certainly didn't have to, so no uh, problemo. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive into the meat and potatoes of the podcast today. We're going to discuss the latest news and injuries, and then we'll discuss a few of John's sneaky starts for Week 16. But first, a word from our sponsors. 
Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site, brings the heat again with a $500,000 guaranteed rake-free contest. It's called the Hooter Main Event, and it's the largest and only rake-free contest of its kind that you're going to find for Week 16. And remember, only on Fantasy Draft are 100% of entry fees paid to contest winners. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com with the promo code 444, and you'll receive a free 7-day trial membership. This podcast is also brought to you by Sharp Angle Sports. Win betting in the NFL with weekly selections from NFL Sharp James Salinas, the most successful super contest winner of all time. Visit sharpanglesports.com and start winning today. John, let's dive into the injury news and notes. And don't forget, there are three NFL games on Saturday. So if you have your lineups and they're not set, or if you're waiting on an injury, make sure that you're catching up on all the news, the latest news ahead of Saturday's games. As always, John and I record these podcasts on Friday. The Tampa Bay situation, you got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller. They're all out. They're all on IR. Is Jameis Winston, who's also dealing with injuries, still trustworthy? And then moving forward, what do you think about Rashad Perryman, Justin Watson? Any thoughts on O.J. Howard, John? Yeah, I I still have Winston in my top six, um, top five maybe. Uh, I'm starting him in our league, in our league title game. Uh, The the Texans are 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, and he's got, I don't know, 800, 900 yards passing over the last two um, uh, last two games. So I'm going to roll with him. I mean, he had 456 yards and four touchdowns in, in Week 14 and 458 yards and four touchdowns last week against the, the Lions. So, um, yeah, I'm going to – he got me there. I'm going <laughs> to roll with him. Uh, and, and there, there's some, the, if you look at the quarterback rankings, there's definitely like a little bit of a drop off and there's kind of some weird, I think the top four or five are pretty set. And then you've got Drew Brees at six and he has some serious home road splits. Uh, Ryan Tannehill at seven, Kyler Murray at eight. So you're getting into some diciness, uh, pretty quickly, uh, with the quarterback rankings. So yeah, I think, I think Winston's is about as trustworthy as you're going to find outside of the top four guys. Uh, and then, yes, I think that Brashad Perryman is a strong start this week. Um, you know, obviously he had the huge game last week with the three touchdowns, 113 yards. Uh, but things are sort of trending that way for him, even without the Godwin injury. Uh, the, the Evans injury certainly helped him. Uh, but back in week 13, he had five for 87. And then uh, against Indianapolis in week 14, he had three for 70 and a touchdown. Uh, six targets and five targets, respectively. And then last week against Detroit, he had six targets, five for 113, three touchdowns, and you know 34 fantasy points. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely starting him in um, Scott Fishbowl. I made the final of, I think, 1,200 teams. The nice. top 20 teams are all playing off. So I've got him uh, going definitely this week. I've got him at like 18, I think, in half PPR. Um the other guy at the, in the receiving core that I would kind of trust, and I think just based on the offense uh, and the matchup against uh, the Texans, who are 20, 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, uh, uh, Justin Watson is sort of intriguing against Indianapolis. He had 5 for 59 and a touchdown on eight targets. I believe that was Evans, uh, Mike Evans's injury game. Um, and then he didn't do a whole lot against Detroit last week, but that was partially because... Um, Scotty Miller came back and, uh, he didn't, you know, Miller didn't play in, in week 14 and came back for week 15. And 
So Watson ended up playing about the same snaps he did in week 14, 56%, but he only saw two targets, uh, catching both for, for 17 yards. I think he'll have a better game uh, this week against the, the Texans, given the fact that he's probably going to be playing 70, 80, 90% of the snaps. And he is one of those uh, you know, college profile measurables types that uh, Kevin Zutlukel's wide receiver model uh, indicated that uh, he had a you know a high chance for success in his first three years if he was give, you know getting the opportunity and this is his chance now and it's a good matchup so if you're dying at uh, receiver I've got him ranked in the 40s um, I think he's uh, a decent uh, spot start and you know obviously no guarantees with a player that has such a short track record but um, everything's lining up here he's got a good quarterback a fantasy quarterback anyway and uh, good matchup, and he should see a lot of playing time this week. Cowboys travel to Philadelphia on, on Sunday afternoon. Dak Prescott's been the biggest headliner when it comes to injuries. He's dealing with a shoulder problem, but he wasn't listed on the Cowboys' final injury report. He will likely start, barring any sort of setback, dramatic setback over the weekend. Do you like him with this matchup against the Eagles? Uh, I want to mention O.J. Howard, too. I forgot to do that in the last question. I, I, I bumped him up as well. He's at my, he's in my number 10 tight end right now. I'm also starting him in that uh, in our league at, at tight end. So I think he's you know trending upwards in terms of his usage. I think this week will be a good one for him. Um, to answer your Dak Prescott question, I, um, I moved him down from about 7 to 11 today, and now I am might be moving him back up. Uh, but because he was removed from the injury report, the the whole shoulder thing is pretty alarming to me. And, and there was a story, uh, I don't know if it was Gallup or Cooper, that told this a reporter that Prescott told him that he wasn't going to ever, he wasn't, in the last game when he got injured, he wasn't going to pass in the run pass option that they had. There was no chance he was going to pass uh, because the shoulder hurt so bad. So um, that's alarming. He didn't throw much this week. Um, also alarming. It is a pretty good matchup against the Eagles. They give up fancy points to quarterbacks pretty generously. Uh, they're 17th adjusted fancy points allowed to quarterbacks this year. But I'm looking at you know Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, uh, Matt Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick against the Bengals, even Carson Wentz against Dallas. They just all look more appealing to me than, than Prescott. And if this game was in Dallas, it would be another story because Prescott plays so well at home. But this road, you know, he typically doesn't play as well on the road. Um, and then on top of it, he's got the shoulder injury. So, yeah, I'm a little bit worried, and that kind of transfers over to Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup as well. Moving forward, staying in the NFC East and staying with quarterbacks, Daniel Jones will start Week 16 against the Redskins. Took him about two weeks. He had a sprained ankle. Eli Manning will head back to the bench. What do you think about the matchup for Daniel Jones against Washington? Well, I spent about an hour today just looking at Giants projections because there have been so many injuries there at quarterback, you know, just switches from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones and then back to Eli Manning. Uh, Golden Tate was out the first four weeks, and then he came back. Uh, Sterling Shepard had a stretch of games that he missed. Um, Evan Ingram's been in uh, the lineup. So I was trying to get a handle on the um, market shares for these receivers and trying to figure out who – Jones likes to throw to, and it's really kind of tough to tell, uh, honestly. Caden um, Smith, I want to mention him. Um, he had two good games in, in Jones's last two games uh, that he started prior to the ankle injury, so he's a sneaky start. Um, and then Golden Tate seemed to have the best rapport with Jones towards the end of Jones's uh, stretch of starting games. 
Um, Sterling Shepard had some good big games with him, uh, especially uh, in week three, I think, with uh, with uh, Tate out. Um, and then uh, Darius Slayton is also in the mix. So I've got them all ranked uh, in the mid-30s to low-40s. I, I It's tough to say who's going to uh, end up having the biggest day. Um, I think Tate should be over Shepard, but it's still really close. And then I think Slayton probably has the most upside because he has that multi-touchdown upside. He's, he's demonstrated already a couple times this year. So I think Jones, in his own right, is an interesting start. Now, if he's, his ankle is not 100%, then you know you wonder if he's going to take off and run. The On average, he takes off and runs like four times a game, 24 yards uh, in the games that I sampled here. And I, I just removed the – I looked at his game logs and I removed – uh, the really bad matchup against the Patriots and the really, really good matchup against Arizona, just so I had eight eight kind of mediocre matchups to work with. And in those eight games, uh, he averaged 247 yards passing, 6.58 yards per attempt, two touchdowns per game, 0.9 interceptions per game with four carries for 24 yards rushing and a quarter of a touchdown per game. He also averages 0.88 fumbles per game. And that all adds up to 18.3 fantasy points. So that's pretty solid. And uh, he has actually played better uh, away from home than he has uh, in New York. And this game is in uh, Washington. He had two touchdowns against Tampa, four touchdowns at Detroit, four touchdowns at the Giants. I guess that game is, or at the Jets, that game is in New York anyway. It wasn't really a home game for him. Um, And then two touchdowns at Chicago, which was um, fairly impressive given the Chicago defense is pretty good. So, uh, I think he's an interesting start, but I'm, I'm worried about the ankle and if he's if he's really going to give you the added value as a runner. Let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings running back situation. A little convoluted at the at the moment. Dalvin Cook's dealing with the shoulder injury. He remains sidelined at Friday's practice. Alexander Matson also remains sidelined at practice on Friday. When you look at this situation, what do you think about Cook, Matson, their running back situation as a whole, and what about Mike Boone against your Packers on Monday night? Yeah, this is this is really tough um, as a ranker because I have to tell uh, our subscribers, you know, what I think is going to happen, and it's the the thing that's making it so tricky is that this is not a one p.m. Eastern Sunday game where we find out at you know ninety minutes before kickoff who's going to be active, and then everybody can make their dis- lineup decisions. This is a Monday night game, so everybody's having to make that decision based on what the tea leaves say on Sunday morning, or even uh, since we have three games tomorrow uh, on Saturday morning, they might have to make that decision. And right now, uh, based on Cook not practicing the last two days, Madison not practicing the last two days, they were out on the field and just kind of standing around. Um, Madison, I think, was doing some rehab work, uh, but there was a report that he's dealing with pain and swelling in his ankle, which does not sound good if you're trying to get him uh, to start in in three uh, days. So what I think is going to happen is, I mean, based on everything I'm hearing about Cook is that he's probably not going to play. Um, If Madison is able to go, I don't think he will. I think he'll probably be a backup. Um, I don't see him being so healthy that he, an injured Madison is is better than Mike Boone, who's actually a pretty good player, and he showed it last week, and he showed it in the preseason uh, this year and uh, last year as well. So um, my gut is telling me that Mike Boone will lead this backfield in touches, and uh, you've got Amir Abdullah there. Uh, you know, Boone was not targeted last week, although he did have quite a few catches. Uh, 
in the preseason. He's also a converted wide receiver, and he had uh, 24, 20, 20 to 24 catches, I think, his last two years in college. So he does have that ability to catch the ball. Um, so I, I think you're looking at him as the lead back in this backfield. Uh, and given a pretty good matchup against the Packers, their 20th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. You know, initially when I did rankings, he came in pretty high. He came in at 12 or 13, and I've got him at 19 right now and half PPR because of just basically because of the nature of the money night, the risk there with money night and not really knowing who's going to be active. Because the other wrench into this whole thing is that this is basically a must win game for the uh, Vikings. I mean, they could still make the playoffs, I think, by losing it, but this is, you know, for the lead in the division and, and all that. So it's a huge game. And if, if uh, Cook can go or if Madison can go, if they can shoot him up and give it a go, they might do that. But I just think that Mike Boone being the healthy, productive guy, that he's going to be the, the leader in this backfield, even if one of those two is is uh, going to try to give it a go. Josh Jacobs is out. How trustworthy is DeAndre Washington in that Oakland backfield? Yeah, I feel like if you ever want to chime in, I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking. Today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but these are pretty convoluted situations, some of them. Uh, DeAndre Washington, I think, is a pretty good start. I've got him as a low-end RB2. The, the running back rankings look pretty deep to me this week. I mean, I think there's quite a few guys getting into, even in the mid-20s, you got Bell, who's going to probably see 15 to 20 touches, Washington, Singletary, David Montgomery, you know, Kareem Hunt. These are all guys 28, in the 24 to 28 range. So um, I think that, I think there's just some good starts down here in this range as well. Uh, Washington, we saw a preview. Thankfully, we saw a preview of what this backfield's going to look like without Josh Jacobs back in week 14. Uh, Washington had 14 carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown, 3.8 yards per carry, and that was against Tennessee. Uh, the, the surprising thing in that week was that he caught six passes for 43 yards on seven targets, and it wasn't Jalen Richard getting that entire passing down roll, uh, which is kind of what I thought heading into that game, that they would have Washington get most of the carries and then Richard getting most of the catches. But um, 20 touches for Washington, I think we can safely assume he's going to see 15 to 20 touches against uh the uh the chargers and the chargers are 21st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to to running back so i have him ranked as a low-end uh, rb2 right now all right moving forward here with joe mixon he popped up on the injury report with the calf injury on thursday but he practiced in full on friday he was removed from the injury report and i know that you you have some thoughts on this this situation as the Bengals get ready to take on the miami dolphins in what could be a preview uh, of which team takes the number one overall pick, John? Although I think it's Cincinnati Bengals, pretty much slam dunk there. <laughs> uh, yeah, this isn't so much about Joe Mixon this week because it looks like he's going to play. He's removed from the injury report. He's a great start. I have him at four. This was more about yesterday and him popping up in the injury report with a calf injury because calf injuries are tricky. So that piqued my interest immediately. And he was listed as limited, and it was a midweek downgrade. So as soon as that happens, whenever I'm working on the injury report, I see that. And um, sometimes with my fantasy teams, I'll make uh, moves that based on that. And especially this week, where we're in week 16, and if I if I had a team, I have a team that is kind of hurting at running back a little bit. It's in the final, and if I could add possibly add uh, Gio Bernard as a starting running back against the Dolphins. Um, I'm going to do that. And so I might cut, and I did in this case, I would cut 
uh, my wide receiver five that wasn't going to start this week anyway. I wasn't going to need them for the remainder of the season because it's a championship week. So I would rather have uh, Bernard as a possible starter or just even to play keep away um, from the other player that I'm facing in the final. Don't allow that player, you know, Bernard to be out there because if Mixon was ruled out today, if he all of a sudden didn't practice on Friday and was ruled out and Gio Bernard is going to be the starting running back uh, for the Bengals against the Dolphins this week, he's going to be a borderline RB1. I mean, I'm going to have him at 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in that range because he has proven over his career that when he's getting 10 plus carries, he's, uh, he's basically a fantasy RB1. This is a fantastic matchup against the Dolphins. So my point is, is from a game three, game theory standpoint that, you want to, as an owner, add that possible value to your roster. Um, you know, you cut a player this week in most leagues, they can't get picked up, so you're not hurting yourself there, and you're not going to use that player anyway. You might as well add a player with up some upside or play keep away um, from the player that you're, or the other owner that you're facing in the final because uh, if you leave Bernard on the wire and suddenly you're playing against him, you're going to, you know, kick yourself for that. Sure. Uh, Damian Williams, the Kansas City Chiefs running back. Wasn't listed on the Chiefs' final injury report. It It's tough then with him. You know he's been banged up. Andy Reid brought back Spencer Ware. You got Shady McCoy, Darwin Thompson in the mix. I mean, there's, there's we're talking about, again, another convoluted running back situation, but what do you think about Damian Williams not being on the injury report? Well, I, did just, I just learned that from you, so that's great information to learn from the pod. That obviously means that he's going to, uh, he's going to play, so I need to get him in the rankings. I mean, I just leave him out because he hasn't played for the last few weeks. But I actually think he's going to come back to a pretty sizable workload. Now, I don't know how high I'll rank him this week. Uh, the Bears are 19th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. The, the running game in itself has not been, for the, for the Chiefs, has not been that great this year but they have gotten almost nothing out of this backfield really over the last four weeks with um with Damian Williams injured and you know early in week 11 he he was knocked out after 12 snaps so if you look at what he did in week nine he had 12 carries for 125 yards and a touchdown against the uh Vikings he had that broke that long run I don't know it was like a 90 yard run in that game he had two catches for three yards in that game and then um against Tennessee the following week he had 19 carries for 77 yards uh, 4.1 yards per carry and then he had five catches for 32 yards in that game in week 10 he played 71 percent 72 percent or more of the snaps in both games so what that backfield was trending towards at that point was Damian Williams in the lead back uh, not not a quite a bell cow role but a lead back role I mean he had 24 touches and then 12 touches or 14 touches before that so um, I don't know if they're gonna come out after a four-week, five-week absence and give him that sort of workload. But I do think he ends up leading this backfield, ends up with 10 or 12 carries and maybe three to four uh, receptions. And that can be useful right now when, you know, if you're looking at um, RB3 flex-type players. Um, so we'll see how I have him ranked, but I think that's where about where I'll have him in that maybe that 28 to 31 range. I don't really like Carlos Hyde this week, so I think I would start Damian Williams over him. Jaguars wide receiver DJ Chark still dealing with that ankle injury. He's questionable for the Week 16 matchup against the Falcons. He was out last week. Doug Marone, the head coach of Jacksonville, said he fully expects Chark to play on Sunday in Atlanta. Uh, the Falcons have several wide several cornerbacks that are banged up, but they also played well last week in San Francisco. So when you look at DJ Chark and you're, you're kind of gauging things from a fantasy perspective this week, do you like the matchup in Atlanta? 
And this is something maybe you can comment on since you've been watching this Falcons team this this year. Um, a few things jump out to me. One is Atlanta is fourth in just a fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, and that's over the last uh, 10 weeks. So that we roll those uh, those uh, just a fantasy points, uh, those hotspot numbers over every 10 weeks. Um, so, so just to look at the last 10 weeks is what I mean. So they're playing pretty well lately. I know they're pretty banged up and missing people. I like the fact that this game is in a dome. And... Mentally, I feel like this is a total letdown spot for the Falcons after a huge win uh, for them against uh, the 49ers last week that they come home and play kind of a, I wouldn't say reeling Jaguars team, but this team's not going anywhere. They're coming out, they are coming off of a, a road win against the the, uh, the the Raiders, but getting Chark back, I think, helps Gardner Minshew. Um, it just helps the whole offense, basically, and uh, you know I think this is a pretty good spot for him. I, I worry that he's not 100 percent um he is still listed on the injury report with the ankle and is questionable so i heard that it was a high ankle sprain so i just wonder if he's going to be at full speed um but this seems like a pretty good spot for him what do you think of this falcons team coming off the big win it's been kind of jekyll and hyde all year right yeah they've been they've been they've been just a, a strange team to kind of figure out this wasn't this wasn't even their biggest upset of the year which is strange because they were 10 point underdog last last uh, week on the road but they upset the Saints in the Superdome as a 13-point dog. And yeah. Drew, Drew Brees couldn't do anything in the Dome. And that's, I mean, it's absurd to think about. So it's been a funny team. They actually have been ve- very – they've been way better after the bye. They're 4-2 and two over the last six. They got healthier offensively. As soon as Chris, Chris uh, Lindstrom came back, he's the, fir- he's the first-round pick, uh, a guard for them. Things kind of got solidified a little bit in the running game. And once they got running the football, then they were able to – not have the defense on the field consistently. And I think that was part of the issue in the first half. But, you know, Isaiah Oliver is one of their cornerbacks. He he did practice in full on Wednesday, so he should be back. But they're down their number one cornerback, who is Desmond Trufant. And they've been without Keanu, Keanu Neal, the safety, virtually all year. But they've played a more simplified game. Uh, the, their pass rush has been very good. But I think ultimately this game this game reminds me of when the Falcons had beaten the Saints they beat the Panthers on the road, and they returned home for a game against the Buccaneers and just got waxed. So it plays into what you're saying about how maybe this is a letdown spot for them. And given the Jekyll and High nature, I wouldn't, I wouldn't avoid playing Jaguars uh, players just because the Falcons beat the 49ers last week and looked pretty good doing so. So that's kind of my, my two cents on that. Yeah, they uh, they gave up uh, nine points to the Saints after the bye, and then three points to Carolina uh, the second game after the bye, and one back-to-back games. And then they turned around, and lost to the Buccaneers, gave up 35 points. They gave up 26 points at home to New Orleans uh, in Week 13, and then 20 to Carolina. They won 40 to 20, and then they won 29-22. Uh, so they have given up 20 plus points in four straight games. I don't think this is a bad matchup for Jacksonville. I just uh, I think coming home off the win that, that they could. See a letdown. This yeah, week. could be a could be a bit of a letdown spot. I mean, obviously Dan Quinn and his players are kind of playing and coaching for his job. So, yeah, weird team, weird season. Julian Edelman, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network confirms that Edelman is expected to play in Week 16 against the Bills. That's that that second game on Saturday. He was questionable or is questionable with a knee and shoulder. Julian Edelman is going to play, right? I mean, there's there's no really doubt about that. Yeah, he had a rough game against the the Bengals last week, and apparently he has he is healthier this week. And he shouldn't really have had a rough game against the Bengals. The Bengals aren't very good, and um, but this whole offense is kind of struggling. And I'm 
not feeling great about him, uh, even ranked where I have him right now, which is at 14 and uh, half PPR. Just not so much about the injuries, although they're playing a factor. It's just this matchup against the Bills. I, um, I'm worried about it. He didn't do much against them in the first meeting, and I think that the Bills realized that the number one player they need to take away uh, to kind of shut down this offense is, is Edelman. Um, so, and they've been pretty stingy to, to throw on on top of that. So, I, I think you kind of have to start them in most cases, unless you have three or four studs that you can run out there. Um, but just because he's going to see probably going to see eight plus ten plus targets, um, but I'm just not expecting a huge game out of him this week. Curtis Samuel, as we're talking about wide receivers, didn't practice on Friday. He's questionable to face the Colts. Popped up on the injury report in Thursday's practice with a limited participation. So with him out on Friday, do you scratch Curtis Samuel? Uh, he is expected to play. Uh, so I, I believe this, his receivers coach, his position coach, says he's expected to play. So for now, I'm leaving him in the rankings. Um, certainly the midweek downgrade is a little worrisome. Uh, I think there's actually some hope here for him to have a, a decent day if you're kind of forced to start him. I have him at 38 right now in half PPR um, because he is. they are using him as a running back, as like the backup running back right now. And uh, the Colts are 26 adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And the, I think the primary problem that he's had with his consistency is that Kyle Allen and him just haven't been able to connect on deep balls. So maybe the, uh, you know, Will Greer... Uh, starting at quarterback changes the dynamic here in this passing attack. I think DJ Moore is safe, um, but maybe Samuel now gets uh, some better balls thrown to him and is able to to make those catches that produce fantasy points for owners. So here's the good news. Juju Smith-Schuster wasn't listed on the Steelers' final injury report. We're dealing with a knee injury. Here's the bad news. He admitted that he's not 100%. Here's the rough news or the uh, the, 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 uh, the questionable news here. You got Devlin Hodges back under center, obviously, for the Steelers, and he really limits what the Steelers do in the passing game. So where do you have Juju Smith-Schuster ranked? Yeah, him coming back just sort of pushes James Washington and Deontay Johnson down. I mean, it's a nice matchup against the Jets. They're 28th and just a fantasy points allowed uh, to wide receivers, but the quarterback situation there is fairly dire. You just don't know what you're going to get, so you don't feel too confident that um, Hodges is going to be able to deliver a ball where he needs to, and this whole offense is – basically taking a giant step back with all these injuries at uh, at quarterback. All right, moving forward here, let's talk a couple tight ends. You have Gerald Everett back for the Rams. Is it time to bench Tyler Higby? I don't necessarily think so. I didn't move Higby down because I think they're going to work Everett in for some snaps, and maybe he sees a couple targets that maybe you know Higby was going to see. But Higby's got three straight 100-yard games. Um, he's been tearing it up, so I don't think that the Rams are just going to say, "All right, we're, we're you know he's been playing really well and whatever ninety percent of the snaps. Let's let's back him down to fifty percent of the snaps." I just I, I don't know. I just can't see that happening given the way he has played. So I think they just you know Everett being out for three weeks, uh, they work him in slowly. Maybe he plays twenty to forty percent of the snaps. Um, they maybe they play some more two tight end snap uh, uh, sets. And uh, Higby continues. I don't think he's necessarily going to. He's had great matchups at his position in terms of the, the defenses that he's faced and how bad they've been against the tight end position. And this week he's got a tougher test with the 49ers. They're 10th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, tight ends. And there's just going to be fewer points probably scored by the Rams in this game than typically. So, um, But I think he's still good for 
uh, a possible 7-for-60 type game, and maybe he does find the end zone. Greg Olson, meanwhile, last nest news, uh, injury-related news here, John. But Greg Olson, concussion, he was a full participant in practice on Wednesday. Looks like he could play um, and will play for the Panthers. Do you like him this week? Uh, Olsen is Olsen, and I think that the quarterback change there uh, maybe worries me a little bit because Kyle Allen and Olsen did seem to have a pretty good connection, and now we're changing that dynamic. So, you know, I've got him at 16 right now behind guys like Dallas Goddard, Noah Fant, um, Kyle Rudolph. And so he's in that mix with, like, Mike Gusecki and Jonu Smith and Caden Smith. So that's sort of the tier you're looking at. Um, with tight ends at, the, at that caliber, you're just hoping they find – either have a big PPR day, like 7 for 70 or something like that, or they end up finding the end zone once or twice. Uh, that's what you're kind of hoping for with that sort of usage uh, in those tight end two rankings. Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business, brings the heat once again with a $500,000 guaranteed rake-free contest. The Hooter main event, it's called, with its $70,000 first place payout. This is the largest and only rake-free contest running anywhere for the NFL in Week 16. That's right. Fantasy Draft is the only daily fantasy site where you can play contests with no management fees taken out of the prize pools 100% of the time, not just for limited-time promotional contests. Listen, as other fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed, making it harder for players like yourself to win. Whether you call it rake, commission, or management fee, the days of paying 10 12 or even 16% of your entry fees to fantasy companies are over. No longer will you lose 30% of your bankroll to the house. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code 444. You'll receive a seven-day trial, free seven-day trial, on your first $100,000 of rake-free entry fees. That's FantasyDraft.com. Promo code 444. Don't miss your shot at millions of dollars in rake-free contests this season. Start by playing at Fantasy Draft today. Your bankroll is going to love you. Also, this podcast brought to you by Sharp Angle Sports. It's the exclusive home for the NFL and the selections of James Salinas, the most successful Super Contest winner of all time. Not only did Salinas win the Westgate Super Contest in 2015, but he finished third in 2016 and 26 in 2018. Over the last four years, picking 85 games a year, he's compiled a remarkable record of 63.3 against the spread. That's 63.3% against the spread. There's only one place to get James Salinas's. NFL against the spread and over-under selections each week, and that's at sharpanglesports.com. Visit sharpanglesports.com today. All right, John, let's do some sneaky starts for Week 16, starting off with quarterbacks. We spent a lot of time talking about the Jaguars-Atlanta matchup. Gardner Minshew is one of your sneaky starts. Why do you like him, and then who's the other QB you like this week? Yeah, I think, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Minshew uh, against the Falcons is – kind of intriguing and he had you know some good fantasy games early in the year i think he ended up with two touchdowns against the uh raiders last week um and he's getting cj shark back so um i'm i i feel like this is going to be a fairly high scoring game too with with the, the falcons putting up some points on the jaguars as well and and Minshew can add uh points with his legs he's got averaging 25 rushing yards per game so I like him, and uh, I think actually Drew Locke is a decent start if you're really desperate at the tight end or at the quarterback position because he's facing the Lions, who uh, are coming into uh, to Denver 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Um, he's coming off of a very bad game against the Chiefs, but prior to that, uh, he had a couple of good games. Um, Detroit has given up 458 yards, four touchdowns. James Winston, 242, and a touchdown to Kirk Cousins. 
and 338 and three touchdowns to Mitch Trubisky in the last three games. So uh, this is just a real good matchup play for, for Drew Locke. One of the uh, things that you said earlier in the podcast was that the running back position is really deep this week. So if you're looking at some sneaky starts at the running back position, who do you like? I'm, I'm, I like Adrian Peterson higher than or more than people other other rankers it seems I I feel like he's settling in now to a bell cow role with uh, Darius Geis out and then you've got you know Chris Thompson doing some passing down work but even Peterson was involved in the passing game last week um he had 39 total touches 167 yards total yards and two scores in the last um two weeks and that's with Geis being injured in week 14 and out altogether in week 15 uh, the Giants are playing pretty good rush D. They're giving up 3.5 yards per carry over the last four games to opposing running backs. But uh, I think Peterson's workload um, has him in you know that high-end RB3 range right now. And, and this game should stay competitive so where the, the, the Redskins can continue to uh, stay with the running game as opposed to having to abandon it if they fell behind. And then who's the other running back that you like? Oh, uh, Miles Gaskin, I think, for the Dolphins is if you're really desperate. And, you know, chances are if you're in the championship game this week, you're not going to be this desperate to where you have to start Miles Gaskin, but you never know. <laughs> um, maybe you missed out if you're Josh, Josh Jacobs' owner and you missed out on uh, DeAndre Washington. Um, but Gaskin saw an increased, uh, saw increased usage last week. Uh, Patrick Laird is just not getting it done as a runner. Uh, Gaskin's snaps increased from 18%. Uh, 25% in weeks tw- uh, 12 to 14 in that range, uh, up to 48% in week 15 against the Giants. He had 11 touches. It was a season high 11 touches into 72 total yards, uh, and definitely outran uh, Laird. Uh, the Bengals have yielded 172 total yards, including 5.1 yards per carry to opposing backfields over the last four weeks. So if the the Dolphins start to use Gaskin as their primary runner and Laird is maybe the passing down back. Uh, Gaskin could end up with 60 yards and a touchdown this week, and he, he actually was a little bit involved in the passing game as well last week. Greg Ward, who was a pretty good quarterback for Houston, now he's playing wide receiver for the Eagles, and I see that you listed him as uh, as somebody that you like in your sneaky starts. So Greg Ward and uh, Kenny Stills are two wide receivers you like for sneaky starts. Yeah, I like Will Fuller too. Uh, Kenny Stills obviously had the two touchdowns last week. Maybe he keeps it going, but I mean, it's just this matchup against the Bucks, the 31st, and adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So you, these are the types of games where you can start these ancillary uh, receivers like stills and uh, you know obviously not dependable but who knows um he might get you a touchdown or two like he did last week uh and then ward i think from a ppr standpoint he's pretty solid he had uh, six for 40 back in week 12 four for 34 which is not much to speak of back in week 14 but it's still something and then last week he had seven for 61 and a touchdown against washington um he has nine targets in each of the last two games, and this is all just a, you know a, a byproduct of the, the injuries that Philly has. I mean, they've, they're down Aguilar, who's questionable this week, but probably not going to play. Jeffrey's out. Um, they got Arcega Whiteside, who's just not demanding targets like maybe we thought he would preseason. Uh, so Ward ends up being the wide receiver one. You know, he's playing second or third fiddle to uh, Zach Ertz and. Uh, Dallas Goddard, but he's still involved, and I think he's an easy pickup and, and start, especially in PPR formats, where he's very likely to get you 12, uh, 10 to 12 uh, fantasy points. And as we're talking about sneaky starts for Week 16, who do you like tight end-wise? I mentioned Caden uh, Smith earlier. He had 5 for 17 and a touchdown uh, and 6 for 70 um, in da- uh, Daniel Jones' last two starts, and that was 14 total targets between those two games. So he was 
you know, one of Jones's primary targets in those two games. I think he's a decent start, and Washington is 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. And then the other guy, which is more of the flow chart start, is uh, Jacob Hollister. He's got a really good matchup against the, the Cardinals, the 32nd last in the league, and adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. They've given up four 100-yard games to opposing tight ends. They've given up 15 touchdowns to uh, tight ends this year, including two to Ricky Seals-Jones last week. So a uh, pretty good chance that uh, the, the Cardinals refuse to cover uh, Hollister in the, in the uh, red zone this week, and he ends up with a touchdown or two. Uh, the only caveat there is that just keep an eye out for Luke Wilson. He's back, I think, this week. He's going to play and, and soak up some snaps. I still think Hollister is going to be the starter and the primary pass catcher, but uh, it's just a, maybe a little bit of a concern about his uh, reduced uh, snaps, possibly. Uh, but I think he's a strong start if you're streaming against the Cardinals. All right, finally, streaming defenses. What does uh, Kevin Zalukul like this week? Yeah, his model uh, in the streaming defenses article, which is excellent, it picked out three good ones last week. Uh, this week, uh, it says Denver versus Detroit, which I think is a good one. I've got them ranked thir- second or third, I think, in my defensive rankings. The Colts at home against uh, Carolina and the rookie quarterback, Will Greer. Uh, anytime a rookie's getting his first start, uh, there's a high chance for some craziness. Uh, and Washington uh, against uh, Daniel Jones at home. Uh, Jones has a tendency to throw some picks and fumble quite a bit. So definitely, and, and the Redskins are still playing, so um, they're still playing hard. So I think Washington's a decent start. As well, I would add uh, the Chargers uh, at home, and I have at home here in quotes against Oakland. That should be interesting uh, <laughs> fan base there uh, in LA. Uh, but the Chargers have a pretty, you know, quite a bit of talent in their defense, and the the, the Raiders are down. Uh, Josh Jacobs, they've been knocked out of the playoff hunt, so I wonder, you know, how, how well they're going to play. I think Cincinnati is in play as a defensive streamer against Miami, Miami, anybody, any defense really playing against Miami has produced pretty good results this year. Uh, they give up a ton of pressures. Uh, Fitzpatrick is very YOLO in his mentality and uh, is willing to throw two picks, three picks in a game if it, if uh, the situation requires it. <laughs> and I think uh, you could roll the dice on the, the Falcons and see if, if they can uh, repeat their defensive performance. Uh, the Jaguars are, not a bad matchup at all uh, for opposing defenses. Like I said, I am a little worried about letdown for the Falcons, but if you're, you're desperate, I think that's a pretty good matchup for, for the Falcons. That's John Paulson. Great stuff out of John, as always. We'll be back maybe in January to revisit some some fantasy notes, but uh, until then, I hope you have a Merry Christmas, everybody. Anybody listening, happy holidays to you. Safe New Year. Uh, Love having everybody join us throughout the course of the season again this year on on the Most Accurate Podcast. And again, we hope that uh, we wish you luck in your fantasy football championship games if you're playing this weekend. And appreciate everybody listening. And I hope you guys have a happy new year. So for John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. Until next time, we'll see you on the Most Accurate Podcast.